Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. And it's page 802 if you're in the Red Bible. 802 if you're in the Red Bible. Micah chapter 7 if you're on, in your own Bible. We're going to be looking at Israel's confession and comfort. Israel's confession and comfort. Verses 1 through 4, starting off here now this is starting off this is God's people realizing their sin this is as you see in as you notice in a lot of lives in our lives and it's portrayed here in this book uh, people then when they're sinful they're sinful for a while and then God brings judgment and then conviction happens and then repentance happens and restoration that's the whole that's the whole meaning of this book sinfulness judgment conviction repentance restoration so here is God's people confessing their sin starting with verse 1 Going down to verse 4. Woe is me, because I, because I am as the gathering of summer fruit, as the gleaning of grapes. There is no cluster to eat, no early fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from the earth, and no one is upright among men. All of them lie in wait for bloodshed, each hunts his brother with a net. Both hands are upon evil to do, to do it well. The prince and the judge request the bribe. The powerful asserts the craving of his very soul. They intertwine together. The best among them is like a briar the most upright among them a bramble the day of the the day the day of your watchman is your punishment of your punishment has come now their confusion is at hand now they are beginning the the prophet here is is repenting for the people he's laying out the the way they are and the judgment that has come. On behalf of the sinful nation, the prophet Micah confesses the sin of God's people. First, he recognized that their sin had left them impoverished. There is no cluster to eat of the fruit ripe, of the first ripe fruit which my soul desires. 
Then, they, then he describes some of their specific sins in their general character, revealing their deeply ingrained sin against others. So they, have a, they had a deep sin against one another, and the prophet had, the prophet had to go before God and, and repent for the people. Now, as people in 2023, it's important that we understand that we cannot sin and have somebody else repent for us. We have to repent on our own. We have to come to the own, our own realization that we are sinful and that we need a Savior and that we need to repent before God because no one is going to repent for you. You have to do it. In this day and age, the prophet repented for the children of Israel. The main sacrifice, the day of, and the Passover, the priest would sacrifice a spotless lamb. And that sacrifice covered the sin. Same thing happened here. The prophet was repenting for a coverage of sin. It wasn't until Jesus came that it was a a cleansing from sin. <clears throat> the day of your watchman and your punishment comes, now shall be their perplexity, or in this particular verse, their confusion. Now, when the sinner is immersed in sin and feeling successful, they feel like there is no, no price to pay for their sin. Nevertheless, there will be, there will come a day of the watchman and your punishment. This confident self-confidence, this confident self-confidence of the sinner will be turned to perplexity. So, think about it for a moment. Let's just think about life. People can get away with things for quite a while, right? They can do things and get away with it. But pretty soon, it's going to catch up to them. The Bible says your sin will find you out. You know, somebody, let's, let's just do a general thing. Somebody that eats a lot of food and gains a lot of weight because they they're, like to eat, they might not have problems with that for a while, but down the road, when they're older, you might have issues, medical issues. Uh, when you smoke or when you drink for years and years and years, you might have years where there's no issues, but then when you're older, things begin to happen. Your liver is bad. Your lungs become bad after years and years and years. You may not, you may not see the, the issues right away, but you will see them over time. Same with sin. We can do our thing. We can live our life. We can climb over people. We can, we can step on people getting up the corporate ladder. We can live our lives the way we want to live them, sinfully. And we can say, well, God doesn't care. He's letting me get away with this. He's letting me get away with that. He doesn't care. Sooner or later, God will do something. God will bring judgment. And when he brings judgment, then that is our cue for repentance. And then after repentance is restoration, 
Now some people with judgment, they fall farther away. God took this from me. God's doing this. I don't want to serve him. He's, he took this from me. Some people fall farther away. Some people go closer to God because within themselves they know that God is real and that God loves them. But some people don't do that. Some people fall farther away, exacerbating the problem. If we just come to God, if we just come to Him, He will bring us to a place of repentance. And that place then brings about restoration and peace and joy once again that we could never feel in times of our sin, that we could never feel in times of trouble and turmoil of our own making. Now, verse 5. God's people are beginning to crumble their relationships. 5 through 7, their relationships are beginning to crumble before God. Do not trust in a companion. Do not rely on a friend. From her who lies in your embrace, guard the doors of your mouth. For the son dishonors the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, the enemies of a man are members of his own household. But as for me, I watch for the Lord. I await the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So in sin, when we're in sin for too long, we begin to not trust anybody. Our enemies are within our own home. Our own friends. You wind up alone. You're alone in your sin. And that's the way the enemy wants it. The enemy, the enemy wants us to be alone in our sin. You know why? Because there's, he can take us off, take us off one by one. He can destroy us easily when we're alone. There's power in numbers, safety in numbers. If you have people around you that are praying, the enemy cannot grab a hold of you so easily. But if he can get you alone if he can destroy your relationships, if he can take away the trust you have for family members or friends or workmates, then he has you right where he wants you. Has you right where he wants you. Because of their rampant sin and selfishness, personal relationships had crumbled among God's people. No one could not one could not trust in, the, in a friend or put confidence in a companion. And even blood relatives were at war with each other. In this sinful, in this sin-immersed culture, there were a few people to give, uh, there were few people to give confidence or compassion. So one could only look to the Lord. Do you know why a lot of third world countries, you see a lot of um, God's move of their hand, God's moving in, in, their, in their presence and stuff, and they, they're believing God and they're trusting God. Do you know why? Because that's all they have. That's all they have. They don't have what we have. They have that's all they've got is God. So they look to him. 
you don't have relationships with others, good ones, one, that is a good indication that you don't have a good relationship with God. And that's a good indication that you need to get a good relationship with God because once that happens, everything else is restored. Restoration. Repentance. Restoration. If you restore your relationship with God, God will restore the relationships that you've lost in Him. And He'll help you to make new ones. God will restore the family unit. God will restore that companion or that friend if we trust him first. You see how this is going? Sinfulness begots sinfulness begots sinfulness. That begots judgment, which should beget repentance and restoration. We need to understand we're in the restoration part. We're talking about restoration and repentance. This was a bad thing because people should be honorable and trustworthy enough so that we can find confidence and compassion from them. Nevertheless, God can use this as a good thing because it forces us to put trust in the one who can never let us down, the God of our salvation. So, you see what's happening here? It can be a good thing when you have no one. No unearthly. But you can have, you have someone who is eternal, who's standing there with his arms open wide saying, come home, come to me. That's the repentance part. You're going to God. You are asking for forgiveness. You are, you are restoring that relationship. And then after that is restoration. Restoration. Verses 8 through 10. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Although I have fallen, I will rise although I dwell in darkness. The Lord is my light. I will endure in rage of the in, I, I will endure the rage of the Lord because I have sinned against him until the time when he pleads my case and ex executes judgment for me. He will bring me out into the light. I will look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled like muck in the streets. See what's happening here? God, they will look upon God and God will restore them and those that had, where's your God? Where is your God? What happened? Where is he at? All this is happening to you. Where's your God? He's not with you. You have nothing. You have no one. When God restores, they have nothing to say. They have nothing to say. They're like trampled muck in the streets. Micah spoke for those brought low by personal sin and the sin of the community. In their humble place, 
he warned their enemies to not rejoice over their condition because when I fall, I will rise and when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. You see me brought now low now, but you should know that it isn't for long. God will lift me up. If we trust in God, if we come back to God, we will understand that yes, I'm going through a time right now, but there's going to be a day when God will lift me up when God will, will bring me back to that place. So don't rejoice over me because you're going to be proven wrong. God will move. God will work. And God can do that in all of our lives even today. We might be going through something right now. We have to say God will move. God will do something in our lives. God will be there. God will lift me up. Speaking for the sinful people, Michael, Micah honorably took responsibility for their sin. The, the idea is, I know that I have sinned, and so I will accept my correction. Micah knew that God's people would stray, would stay in their low place until he pleads my case and executes judgment for me. They were totally abandoned unto God's care. Micah basically said, I know that I have sinned. This is talking for the children of Israel. I know that I have sinned, and so I will accept your, my correction. He is basically saying, God, the peop your people have sinned against you, and we accept your correction, your judgment. That's repentance. That's repentance before God. commentator by the last name of Morgan says this, herein is discovered the difference between remorse and penitence. In remorse, a man is sorry for himself. He mourns over his sin because it has brought suffering to him. In penitence, he is grieved by the wrong sin, by the wrong sin has done to God. He yields his personal suffering in the confidence that by, God, by it God is setting him free from his sin. So Micah is being penitent before God. He's being penitent. He's grieved for the wrong of the nation. He's grieved for the wrongfulness of the nation. And believe me, the church needs to be grieved for the wrong this nation has done before God. We need to be grieved for the sin that is rampant in our nation. Pray for America. Pray for the leaders. Repent. Allow God to move in our lives. But it has to start with you and I. Just like it had to start with Micah. At the same time, there was complete confidence in the salvation of God and their vindication before their enemies. This shows that God's people knew their sinful state, but they also knew the greatness of God's redemption. 
Do we know that as individuals today? Do we know of God's great vindication? Do we know of the state of our sin? Do we know the state of where we sit? Where do we sit in God today as individuals? We know as a nation we sit in judgment of God, but as individuals, are we sitting in judgment and condemnation or are we sitting in peace and joy as individuals? If we are sitting in sin, we must understand that God will bring great redemption only if we repent before him. And we must repent before God. We have to repent. God is going to move in the lives of his people. But it only comes by repentance. Judgment comes until repentance happens. Verses 11 through 13. A day for building your walls. In that day, the boundary will be extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt. And from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain, the earth will become de desolate because of its inhabitants from the fruit of their deeds. Now, when the time comes for Israel's restoration, God will send a call out far and wide to gather and restore his people. Now, that's those that are scattered. He's going to bring them together one place when God restores. When God gathers Israel for restoration, they will come to a desolate land, ruined because of the judgment of God on the sin of his people. So this, this is that old saying, you know, sometimes God has to tear down in order to build back up. God has to tear down sometimes in order to build back up. And that's individuals as well as nations. God has to sometimes spiritually tear us down in order to build us up and do something pleasing before him. God has to do those things in order for us, number one, to know his redemption, his, his, his redemption, to know his love, to know his grace. He has to do that. Because it's not us pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's not us rebuilding ourselves. It's God restoring and rebuilding what is his. And we are his. Amen? Verse 14 and 15. The restoration of Israel. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which live alone in the forest. In the midst of a fertile land, let them gaze in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will display wonders. God's going to do some things 
when he restores. As in the days when the, you came out of Egypt. So could you imagine? You saw, we, we read, we, we know the story of what God, the wonders God did when he brought out his children, the children of Israel out of Egypt. The nine plagues that God performed in order to allow them to be set free. Those kinds of things, Micah is saying, is going to happen again. Look for those signs and wonders when restoration comes. Not only did he tear down, but he's going to restore. We see this in stories like Job. Job's life was desolate. God took everything from him. God allowed it to happen. God didn't take it, but God allowed it to be taken from him. His home, his family, his livelihood was all taken away. He had nothing. And what happened? He did not sin against God. And God restored everything. And then some. Through wonders and signs. It wasn't just Job pulling himself up by his bootstraps. It was God doing that. God was the one who did it. Not anyone else. After God's people will be brought back to the place they belong, they will be lovingly cared for by the Lord himself. The Lord shepherds them and feeds them. What has to happen to allow us to be shepherded and fed by God? Well, a couple things. We have to, the biggest thing is trust. We have to trust that God will provide. We have to trust that God will give us the things that we need. Maybe not the things we want, but the things we need. He will shepherd them and feed them. He will protect them and provide for them. God does that for us. He protects us and provides for us. Sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we think we've got it handled. We can handle it. But God protects us and provides for us every single day. There was a time when God's people enjoyed this kind of close relationship with him. Now that previous relationship will be restored and he will show them wonders. The wonders will come out of the close relationship with the shepherd. So when God does things in our life, when God ministers to us, when we trust God, God shows wonders to us. And it's amazing. And then that, when that happens, the trust issue gets, we trust God even more and more and more. We don't have to worry about the trust issue now. We trust him. God allows us to be in that trust. He is doing things for us. Amen? 16 and 17. Nations will see and be ashamed despite all their might. They will put their hand on their mouth and their ears will be deaf. They will lick dust like the serpent, like crawling creatures of the earth. They will come shuddering from their lairs. They will turn in dread to the Lord our God and they will be afraid of you. 
So those that were so mighty against the people of Israel will be scared. They'll be shaking because of what God is doing in his children's lives. What is God doing in our life today? Is God moving in our lives today? Is God working in our lives? Maybe not doing great and mighty wonders, but he is moving, isn't he? You can still breathe. You're still upright. You're still able to enjoy things in life. So God is moving. And when things are not so good in our lives, we can be confident that God will be there walking alongside of us. God is there. God is moving. But he's saying in this time, the nations that came against them will be afraid. They will shudder because of the wonders and the works of God. They will shudder. They'll be afraid. Isn't that amazing what God can do? The nation shall be ashamed. When, when Israel is restored to the land and enjoys a restored relationship with the Lord, then those who oppose God's people will, be, will see how wrong they were to fight against them. What does the Bible say? If God be for us, who can be against us? And God was for them. And their enemies knew it. God was for them. Therefore, they were afraid. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of you. Seeing the greatness of God's restoration will make the nations respect the Lord in a way they didn't before. They will see the power and love of God in action. We're called to share that today, the power and love of God in action. We are called to that today. We have Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives, and we are called to show forth the power of God in love and in action. How we do that, what we say, how we interact with other people, we are called to that today as individuals. The Bible says, by your love for one another, they will know you're my disciples. They'll know you by your love. By their fruits, you shall know them. You see, power and love of God in action. That is what we are called to be doing today, 2023, August 13th. 2023. 18 through 20. Who is a God like you, bearing iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not remain angry forever because he delights in benevolence. He will again have compassion upon us he will tread down our iniquities and cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give a faithful, a faithfulness. You will give faithfulness to Jacob and benevolence to Abraham, which you swore to our fathers from the days of old. 
Now let's look at that. Who is a God like you, bearing iniquity and passing over transgression? For the, for the remnant of his inheritance, he does not remain angry forever because he delights in benevolence. Well, let's look at that. God does not remain angry forever because we, as individuals, repent. When we repent, God does not stay angry. He receives us with open arms because we repent. Because we repent. When your child, when, you, when, you, when your children were little and they did something wrong and they said, Mommy in tears, mommy shaking voice, I am so sorry, and they open their arms for a hug. Did you ever tell them you're not getting a hug from me? Or did you wrap them up in your arms and give them a hug? And did you love on them? Were you angry anymore? Maybe a little bit, but not as much as before, right? Because your child was repentant. We are that way with God. When we repent before God, he sees us like that little child saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. And he picks us up. He dusts us off. And he puts us on the right path once again. He will have compassion upon us. He will tread down our iniquities and cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. What's the Bible say about that when we repent? He throws our sins in his great sea of forgetfulness. Or he throws our sins as far as east, as the east is from the west. So he did that basically what that's saying is he never views them again. He never brings them up again. They're never seen again in the eyes of God because they are gone as far as the east is from the west. Or they're in his sea of great forgetfulness. He forgets about it. He forgives us and forgets. Wouldn't that be good if we did that as humans? Forgive and forget? But that's hard, isn't it? And as far as, as, far as the sea is, for as far as the east is from the west, if you look at a globe, how many of you have a globe at home? I've got a little globe. Put your finger on the equator and turn it east and see if you'll go west. You'll never go west. You'll always go east or you'll always go west. You'll never go east to go west. But if you do it the other way, if you go north and south, eventually you'll go north and then you'll go south. But that way, you'll always go east or you'll always go west. So that's saying it's so far away, you'll never, he'll, he'll never bring it up again. He'll never see it again. It'll never be even a thought in his mind. He'll cast our sins in the depths of the sea, the sea of his great forgetfulness, where he doesn't remember it anymore. God, the God of wonders, the God of wonders. You will give fruitfulness or faithfulness to Jacob and benevolence to Abraham, which you swore to our fathers from the days of old. This is ultimate redemption. Remember in the Old Testament, he is the God of, he's the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
He is going to restore that relationship. Where he is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is going to do that for us. Amen? He is going to do that for us. What a wonderful God he is. What a wonderful God he is. He gives us that relationship. And the question we've got to ask ourselves is, does God have compassion upon us? Are we giving God a reason to have compassion on us? Do we do that which he's called us to do? Do we walk in things and ways that are pleasing to God? Do we live our lives pleasing to God? Now, I'm not saying be perfect before God. What I'm saying is when we screw up, what do we do with that? When we mess up, do we say, well, God understands, or I don't have to worry about it. It wasn't that bad. Just a little white lie or just a little white thing. Just little, little things don't matter to God. They do because little things become big things. Little things become big things. You grow a plant in your yard, a rose or a rose bush, or you grow in weeds. They start out small, don't they? And then they get bigger. How do they get bigger? You feed them. You cultivate them. Even weeds, you can feed them and cultivate them by not doing anything with them. But sin's the same way. If you feed it by continuing to be in that sin, if you cultivate it by not repenting, it will grow. It will grow. And when it grows, the root gets so big, it has to tear your heart out in order to get it out of there. God does not want us to be like that. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to repent when repentance is needed. He wants us to step away from the sin. He wants that relationship that we once had when we first got saved. That's another thing that happens with people when they first get saved. They're all excited, right? Oh, Jesus has done so much. But what happens? What happens? Over time, the excitement wanes. Over time, the importance of that relationship begins to wane. And why is that? Why does that happen? It shouldn't. The excitement should be there. The, the anticipation of God working in our lives should be there. Amen? Even today. I got saved at 27. Some of you are 23. Some of you got saved earlier than that. And you're still here serving God. Has the, ex has the excitement waned in your lives? I'll be the first one to say it has in mind from time to time, yes. And I have to go before God and I have to repent and I have to do something about it. But in the same way to understand that God desires to have that relationship with you and I. He desires that. That first relationship. See, he says, it says, you will give faithfulness to Jacob and benevolence to Abraham, which you swore to your fathers from days of old. So that first feeling when you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, 
that first feeling of oh, weights off our shoulders, we feel lighter, we feel joyful, we feel happy, we feel all these things. Where is that gone? That's the kind of relationship God wants with us. He doesn't want us to be mired down with the cares of the world and mired down with our life and sin and he wants that kind of relationship where we're free where there is liberty there is freedom liberty in the Lord there's freedom from that guilt and pain and resentment and all those things that's what he wants us to have. Amen? So my assignment for you this week is this. If you feel yourself and you feel that in yourself that happiness and joy has waned, go to God and ask him where it went. And go to God to ask him to help you find it again. Amen? That's the goal. That's the thing. Ask God to help you find it again. Because Lord knows I need to do the same thing. But allow God to do that. This isn't a challenge just for you. This is a challenge for me. Allow God to show you where that happiness and that joy went. And do all you can to get back there. Usually that's repentance and restoration. The whole point of this book, sin, judgment, repentance, restoration. The whole point. The whole point. Sin, judgment, repentance, restoration. Where are we in the four steps? That's for you to know and for you to get that figured out, amen? for all of us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray that you would bless each and every one that's here. Help us, Father, to know where we stand in the four stages, sin, judgment, repentance, or restoration. Help us, Lord, if we're in the sin and judgment to repent that you might restore. Help us, Father, if we're in restoration to be rejoicing, to be joyful. And Lord, if our joy has waned, if our peace has waned, Father, I pray that you would show us where it went so we could do all we could do to get it back again. Lord, thank you for that. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. 
I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.